The Education Apple, Episode 12, recorded on February 27, 2013. Welcome to The Education Apple. This is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as uh, Apple technology and technology in general in the classroom of our daily lives. I'm your host, Bill Brazil, uh, welcoming you in today. And along with uh, myself, we have Barrett Mossbacker tonight. And uh, Barrett is the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School. How are you doing tonight, Barrett? Bill, I'm doing great, and as always, a delight to be with you again. Uh, Glad to have you with us, and uh, I think we've got a number of interesting things to discuss today so uh, we will go ahead and kick it off and we like to kind of start with looking at uh, the weekend review and um, the first thing I was going to mention today is uh, I noticed uh, this last week that some reliability reports came out uh, on some uh, mobile phones and of course we're interested in the iPhone and the iPhone was at the top of the list as far as uh, reliability and and a good piece of hardware I don't think um, uh, we're too surprised at that but uh, the finding was that uh, the iPhone is 300 percent more reliable than Samsung and of course Samsung is uh, you know, in hot pursuit and in some cases ahead of the iPhone in a number of different markets. So um, I thought this was uh, interesting to see that uh, the iPhone uh, appears to be a much better piece of hardware than uh, what Samsung is providing, especially from the standpoint of uh, reliability and, um, you know, how it operates from day to day. And that's, uh, of course, important. And this study came out of... uh, it was compiled from Fixia, which is a uh, organization that uh, has uh, access to a lot of uh, data regarding the different phones. I think in this case they looked at uh, over uh, 720,000 uh, phone issue reports and measured them against a number of different databases. And um, the way they scored it was... Um, uh, that the iPhone was 3.47% uh, more reliable than Samsung handsets. And I guess that what that really equates to is uh, 300% more reliable. Uh, they also looked at it in comparison to um, uh, some other phones, the Nokia and Motorola, and uh, those two phones did even uh, worse than the Samsung. So, um, you know, I don't... Uh, like I said, I don't think that's a real surprising thing, but uh, it kind of confirms what uh, I have thought all along. And, um, you know, even though Samsung uh, is pretty high on the scale uh, in comparison to iPhones and, and number of sales, I think the piece of hardware that, that you get from the iPhone is uh, much better, and this pretty much backs that up. Um, some of the uh, issues that... Uh, they identified for each one of the phones for uh, Apple the top issues were the battery life and um, I know in in my experience the battery life isn't always um, a problem with just the uh, hardware itself but a lot of times more uh, about the software and what the uh, phone is actually doing from a software standpoint and that can have a big impact on on battery life so I don't know that's really uh, could be chalked up as a hardware issue, but that was uh, number one. Thirty-five percent of the issues were related to battery life, and then uh, the next two were uh, lack of new features and uh, no customization or uh, customizability. And <laughs> that's those two things are really more uh, just what people want to do with their phone as, a, as opposed to uh, the hardware. So I, can't, I think we can kind of throw those out. Uh, and then there was uh, 15% that said uh, they couldn't connect to Wi-Fi and they had Wi-Fi issues. And we've heard that, uh, I guess, a number of times in the past that, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to connect uh, to Wi-Fi. And that that is probably more of a function of protocols and the number of different uh 
Wi-Fi hotspot types um, because I know I never have a problem. I don't think you have too many issues with that, Barrett. We've seen it in a few uh, public places, I think, but um, generally uh, those those issues that are related to our Apple uh, iPhone, um, you know, are really pretty minor in uh, in comparison to the other. Um, I think the Motorola and Samsung and Nokia, they all uh, really had more hardware-related issues such as the um, touchscreen and speaker quality, camera quality, uh, battery life, um, and those type of things, and device getting hot. So those seem to be a lot more um, uh, substantial as far as the, the hardware is concerned. Uh, Barrett, do you have any, any other uh insights or thoughts from a hardware standpoint well i don't know how insightful it may be but in some respects i'm not surprised in that in many cases these uh, companies uh, aren't necessarily going after the premium market and they're competing uh, often on price and you would expect that that's probably going to affect overall quality Uh, they can only spend so much on the device and still meet uh, certain price points in order to gain market share and then I, in the case of Samsung, which is a fine company, I have a, a large Samsung HD television. I think it's a great product. Yeah. But they make televisions. They make uh, refrigerators. They make phones. They make a whole so many different products that you wonder how much they can focus on a given few and do them extremely well. And I think that's one of Apple's primary advantages is that they do, in fact, focus on a relatively few products and strive to do them extremely well. And then, of course, Bill, you're an engineer, so you probably know a lot more about this than I will. But I would also think that there's a tremendous advantage in being the producer of both the hardware and the software. And in the case of these other companies, that's not always the case. Right. Um, so I, w- I would think that would contribute to some of their performance problems as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and one other thought that I have is that um, I just feel like Apple puts a whole lot more – R&D behind their their products and um, you know sometimes we complain that uh, they're not producing new handsets or new uh, products quick enough but I think part of that is because they're they're really trying to spend the time on R&D and make sure when they do release a new product that um, it's going to be you know rock solid from a performance standpoint and um, uh, you know, I think that that definitely um, comes through. Now, sometimes you have to pay a premium for that, and uh, that's kind of where where Apple comes in. You're not going to get any discounts with uh, with their equipment, but uh, I think in the long run, if that's really an important thing to you that your device works uh, all the time, um, you know, then that's that's worth it. So, I think that's really what we see with. Um, in comparison to some of these other other devices, and uh, you know the phones, the phones as well as uh, other computers and and all, they go through a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of wear and tear and and a lot of abuse. So it, they have to be uh, pretty rugged devices, and uh, I think that's that's what we get from from Apple anyway. So, um, but I thought it was a good comparison and just kind of confirms what what my feelings have been but um um you know well and, and uh, you know bill along those lines uh, yes there's there's less customization available on the iPhone and the other Apple products um, but there's a great benefit to that and that they're able to better control the overall quality and consequently the user experience and so uh, the ability to um there's an advantage, I suppose. You give up a little bit of freedom in the context of complete customization of your product and what you're able to put on it, but that results in a much better quality control and user experience in the long term. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that was a little bit of a surprising comment to me anyway because you can customize a pretty good bit, and, of course, those people that like to, to jailbreak their phone can even do a whole lot more, but... um you know, there's, uh, I guess they give a little and we want to take a whole lot more. <laughs> it's just kind of the way we, we operate these days. The, the more we get, the more we want. And, um, you know, it's compared to what we used to have in terms of a phone, it's uh, uh, pretty doggone uh, 
It's fantastic. I mean, considering all that you can do with a phone, and you can almost virtually carry a library in your pocket, yep. uh, a mapping system, GPS, calculator, spreadsheets, word processor. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. We're we're almost, um, I think, forgetting the sea change that represents and the ability of an individual to access information and to do things because we're somewhat accustomed to it at this point. But it wasn't that many years ago that this was pure science fiction. Right. It really wasn't. And that's that's one thing that I get kind of uh, caught up thinking about sometimes is just the, the speed that uh, things are changing and the more and more devices that are coming out at at a more rapid pace than ever and um you know it's it's kind of um <laughs> hard to think about where where it's all really going uh, if it continues at the same pace uh because it it wasn't that that long ago that uh you know uh, we didn't have anything like an iPhone and um these devices just keep coming out faster and faster so and, and i almost wonder if uh there isn't the the proper amount of either R and D and or uh, just uh, um, uh, you know working with customers to figure out what customers want ahead of time. I think we're getting more to the point where companies are just throwing things out there and and seeing what sticks just to try to beat beat the competition. And uh, I really wonder how much um, work is being done at least in this this field, to try to understand what customers really want uh, ahead of time. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I've just it just seems like with the speed that that things are happening and changes are being made and new products are coming on the market that uh, you know there couldn't be a whole lot of uh, market research being done to really see what what the consumer wants. Do you feel that way sometimes? Uh, I do, uh, I, but I think also there's a tendency to assume that more is going to be better, so you end up with feature bloat, etc., uh, when in fact sometimes less is more. Uh, a fewer bells and whistles, slowing down the pace a little bit, and really providing the best possible product and experience. In the long run, a person can accomplish a lot more. So it may also be just this tendency to think if I throw more at it, People will be wowed by the number of features. It has more of this, more of that, and they'll buy it. But then they have all the complications and the incompatibilities that inevitably are going to crop up. You see that a little bit, and again, I'm not anti-Microsoft. I've used Microsoft for 20 years, and they've got a tremendously powerful suite of applications. But it's also got a lot of feature bloat, and most people don't use 80% of what, uh, for example, Word might have on it. And yet, if you look back over the history, most of the selling features that Microsoft used for their product was they'd keep adding more and more and more features. And pretty soon, there were so many you couldn't find the ones you really wanted. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and um, I think that's you know that that is one of the reasons I converted over to Apple. Um, and uh you know it's it's it definitely helps out they they lock down a lot of a lot of things um so that that you don't feel like you're getting overwhelmed by features and and uh, options and all that type of thing but um you know that that is good um but it just just from a product standpoint uh it's interesting just to see what all is really hitting the market and uh and that kind of brings me to my my next point, uh, talking about uh, wearable computing. I think this week we heard or we're hearing a lot of rumors about uh, the iWatch and what could be coming there from Apple as well as uh, some other uh, companies. I think um, uh, the the Pebble was just released in a limited uh, quantity this past uh, week or two, and that is uh, the device that's uh, like a watch. I mean, it is a watch. You wear it on your wrist, and it will connect to both iPhone and a Android uh, device, and uh, it provides some notifications of emails and phone calls, and uh, I think you can control music from it, that type of thing. It's uh, still 
still fairly limited, and I think there's a number of bugs that they're working out uh, on it. And I don't know if you saw that uh, any of the the news about that this week, Barrett, but um, that is a product that um, uh, came out on Kickstarter, and Kickstarter is another uh, interesting phenomenon that has just sprung up in the last uh, year or two, uh, where you know products can be thrown out there and and uh, uh, funded from the masses. Anybody who sees an idea that they really like can can jump in and say, hey, I'll I'll fund it. Uh, by $500 or whatever, and enough people do that, and the company has uh, the cash they need to get get a product developed and uh, and delivered, and that's that's what hap- what's happened with this Pebble watch. Um, but I think it's also uh, sprung a lot of interest from some of these other more established companies that uh, you know, like Apple and 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 others that uh, you know may try to get. Uh, jump on the bandwagon with that. I I like the idea. Um, I've I've thought for a while it would be uh, nice to be able to to have some sort of connection with your phone uh, and or uh, music and that type of thing, and a little bit easier way to to control it. And I think that could be done from from your your wrist uh, through the watch. So the the iWatch I guess though is still kind of vaporware there's just a lot of rumors around that and um uh it seems like it would make a lot of sense but uh apple hasn't really said anything about it yet so um uh it's just a, a bunch of rumors right now but other companies are doing it so um it wouldn't be all that far-fetched to see apple come out uh with something there yeah pro- you know bill probably not in fact <clears throat> it's interesting you should mention kickstarter and i'll come back to it later in the program uh, because i actually added a hardware pick uh okay. to uh our discussion for later in the program yeah, uh, and it's uh, a product that i invested in uh through a kickstarter product that i'm currently using on my macbook pro so i'll bring that up a little bit later but uh, kickstarter has great a great product sometimes that you can get uh in on pretty early but regarding the iwatch you know i've got mixed feelings about it on the one hand uh I would like to have one that when I do international travel and different things, you know, the time zones can change. I can see multiple um, time zones simultaneously and do a few things like that. On the other hand, uh, the Pebble Watch, for example, that is a very good first start, is really not a particularly attractive timepiece to be wearing. No. Um, and I, I really don't want another device that I have to continuously worry about charging. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, my wristwatch, my Seiko, uh, I just never have to charge it. I think it's been going five years now on a battery, that kind of thing. And so uh, how many devices do we want to have to concern that they're going to run out of power, and then if they run out of power, they're essentially useless? So I would like to think that Apple might come up out with something that has a substantial um, lifetime uh, on the battery, or at least usage time on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are just a couple things I think they've really got to address. Right. Yeah, I've got, uh, and I, I mentioned it, uh, I'll bring it up here in just a minute, but I've got a, um, a, a Garmin watch that I use when I run, and it um, it syncs up. It's a GPS-type uh, watch, and um, it will map out, you know, my run and the timing and everything else. But uh, u- utilizing GPS from a small wristwatch really eats up the battery, so I've got to charge it about every week, uh, if not more often than that, and so that does get to be a little bit, uh, you know, troublesome remembering to keep that uh, charged up, and uh, invariably I'll get out and I'll have, you know, 10% left on my watch, and (laughs) that's not enough for my run. But, But, uh, you know, and for especially purposes like that, that's probably not a big deal, but day in, day out, and if you're on a long business trip, you've got long days, you really don't want your your watch to run out of power if, in fact, you're going to be using it for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where where you have you know your external battery that you can just carry around <laughs> <laughs> with you and then plug it in. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean about that. The um, the the Google Glass that's uh, been discussed a, a good bit in the past and has been out there. Uh, kind of on the horizon for a while, but they did make an announcement this last week that it's going to be uh, compatible both with uh, Android as well as the iPhone. So uh, I still don't exactly understand how that is going to work, and 
uh, what all can be done with uh, Google's glasses. But, um, you know, that's kind of one of those um, sci-fi type devices that uh, they talk about, I believe, this year releasing um, the first model of that. So uh, we'll see, um, you know, how that that comes about and what that's uh, what that's going to do. I, the initial price tags on them I've heard are, are fairly expensive though, so uh, it may may take a few iterations before uh, those become very affordable. Uh, and, and again, it's really going to depend on what kind of functionality it provides, I guess. But uh, that's another type of of a wearable uh, computing device that um, seems to be just around uh, the corner. And uh, there was another device. I don't. I can't remember what it is, uh, what the name of it uh, is. But I've seen a couple of videos about it. But it's um, kind of a strap or something that you wear around your uh, forearm, and it's supposed to allow you just with gestures in the air um, to control your computer and presentations and uh, audio and a number of things. And I think it's just kind of being prototyped right now. Um, but that would be another type of uh, device that would be worn that, um, uh, you know, would supposedly help us with um, <laughs> with our computing needs. I don't know if it would really help or not. But, um, you know, it's, it's not that far-fetched of, of, an, of ideas, though, that, you know, we're going to be moving into this uh, these types of devices. Because already, you know, I'm thinking... Well, what do I have today that that I can wear? And and I came up with um, three or four things, and you probably have some others, Barrett. But you know, right now uh, you got your Bluetooth headphones and headsets, um, and then uh, I know running chips. We've had uh, uh, you can put if like you're in a race, um, and you can time uh, long distance runs with chips that they put in your on your shoe. Um, we've I've done that a number of times in different races I've been in, so um, that's a type of a, a computing device. And then uh, I've got a GoPro video camera that um, I can put on my head or put on my chest, and uh, depending on what I'm doing, capture video uh, from. Man, is that what that was? The... I thought you'd been assimilated <laughs> by the Borg when I saw you the other day with yeah, that on. Yeah, I know it's it's a little bit uh, <laughs> odd looking, but um, you know it's just. Uh, I'm sure one of these days we're going to look back and think, man, that thing was huge. Why, what, what were you thinking wearing that? But uh, those are pretty fun, just uh, especially, you know, uh, fortunately I'm I'm past uh, my skydiving days or, um, uh, you know, crazy uh, skiing adventures, anything like that. But, um, you know, those little cameras can capture some incredible stuff. In fact, we've... I did uh video um this past summer uh myself and my daughters went out uh in the ocean um on sea dews and had a bunch of fun and so I took that out and uh captured a bunch of video from that and that's fun just to go back and uh you know watch that and just remember what we did um but wasn't one long too long ago that wasn't even possible really you know so um and then, well, and and you know another one that you you don't have listed uh, is uh, which is becoming very popular are the wearable I'll call them health monitoring type bands like the Nike band and mm-hmm. some of the others right. um, that are really becoming very popular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to monitor all the different uh, functions and things you want to keep track of. So, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of those devices have come come out around uh, just health and fitness uh, and that type of thing. So. Um, I, I think we're heading down uh, that path pretty quick, whether we like it or not. So um, uh, it's just something I thought was in the news this week and would be interesting to uh, k- kick around a little bit. So we'll just have to keep an eye on uh, that area and, and see how quickly things develop there. But it seems like uh, they're moving fairly quickly. Um, another... Uh, event that's been going on this week is the uh, Mobile Telecom World event, which is in uh, Barcelona this year, and um, I think uh, that is a pretty big show. Of course, uh, I haven't gone, but I've uh, been able to keep up a little bit uh, in the news, and, and AT&T, the company that I work for, is a pretty big player in that space, so I've seen uh, several announcements from 
from my company uh, uh, there this week. So I thought we would uh, just mention a few items um, from from that event. And like I said, it's a pretty big show. I think they were expecting about 70,000 visitors with 100 and, or, or 1,500 companies um, having booths and displaying their new products there. So uh, a number of, of things have been announced. Samsung announced a new 8-inch tablet, the uh, Galaxy Note 8, which um, I guess is meant to compete directly with the iPad Mini. And I think uh, Samsung now has, uh, <laughs> they cover pretty much every inch from about 4 inches to 10 or 11 inches with devices, it seems like. So um, they definitely have a lot of options to choose from. And I I don't, I just kind of wonder, do you really need uh, all those options or not? Um, it's a, a lot of things, a lot of sizes to choose from. Um, I think two two options are really uh, almost more than, than we need, but uh, they're kind of covering the gamut, I guess. Um, and then HP uh, has got a, a Slate 7. That's a 7-inch tablet that they've introduced. And then Mozilla... Uh, Firefox, uh, they've got a new phone operating system that they've uh, released or are releasing, and I don't believe there's any hardware available for it yet or utilizing it yet, but um, they're rapidly in the process of trying to get uh, a new uh, phone OS uh, deployed. So, um, you know, of course, that's a pretty established name, and they, they seem to know what they're doing, and uh uh, that'd just be one more option we might have uh, from a phone standpoint. So that was probably the most surprising thing that I saw in terms of, uh, of devices uh, around the phone um, uh, arena. Uh, did you pick up on anything else, Baird, or what did you think about um, any of those those new announcements? Well, actually, I had read an article, I think it was last night, regarding HP, and uh hope I'm uh, stating this accurately, but as I recall the article, um, HP basically stated that they're intending to move from PCs to uh, a pretty much reliance on selling uh, tablets. And so their Slate 7 and anything else they're coming out with is going to be vital to that company. Uh, yeah. th that was a rather interesting statement that was made that they're uh, they're backing off some on the PC business and placing a lot more of their focus and resources specifically in the tablets. So I had heard that. I had also read about the Mozilla Firefox. Um, uh, I didn't. Aren't they also coming out with a? Um, uh, is that the browser or just an operating system? Well, this is this is the operating system for a phone. I mean, it's specifically a phone operating system uh, to run on a new, uh, you know, phone uh, handset, uh, mobile ham handset. So um, I don't know how much different it's uh, supposed to be or what benefits it's going to bring, but um, it's a totally new operating system geared specifically for mobile phones. So. Um, well, I would think they'd have a hard time competing against, you know, the Microsoft and Google and Apple, and I mean that, that's so. a lot of heavy players to go up against. <laughs> and Firefox isn't that, or Mozilla's not that big in the scheme of things. No, um, but they have been around for a while, uh, a pretty good while, really. And um, I don't know, maybe they've uh, they've uh, got some some thoughts on how to do it uh, bigger and better. But uh, yeah, you're right. There's <laughs> they're entering in. <laughs> Uh, to pretty heavyweight uh, competition there, but um, I believe there are several uh, hardware uh, manufacturers that that have said they're going to uh, build phones for that operating system. So we'll see. Um, it probably wouldn't be uh, too far down the line that uh, you know they'll they'll have a product that they can put in people's hands. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure how that'll play out, but. We'll keep an eye on it for sure. Another another uh, item that I don't think came out in the uh, Telecom World event, but I did notice uh, it being announced that Google has a Chromebook, announced a new Chromebook that's a 13-inch touchscreen laptop. Um, so now you've got, uh, I guess it kind of is going to compete with some of the Windows uh uh, Windows 8 devices that uh, you know are touch screen um, uh, uh, type machines and um, 
I just I, I really don't um, see the benefit of a a laptop with a touch screen on it to be to be honest. And this no, is no, another... you know I I don't either, Bill. I uh, I read reviews on that last night, and a lot of the reviewers were comparing it more to the MacBook Air in some ways than uh, Windows 8, except for the touch screen component of that. Right, right. But I don't even like if I happen to be using my iPad with a, a Bluetooth keyboard. Board, I don't like reaching up to have to tap on the screen of the iPad even, sure, because uh, I'm constantly then needing to move my hands off the keyboard, which is very inefficient, really. And the other thing is, it just seems. I mean, the reviews say it's built solid, and and the OS is getting much better with Google's Chromebook, uh, but uh, that's a pretty that that is a premium price for basically a giant web browser operating system. Yeah, no, I I fully agree, and this is another one of these cases that. I just wonder if um you know they if they've done any market research on it. I mean, you know, they can look around just uh you know to see what's going on uh in the environment. I would be real surprised if they've really done you know much of any market research on this device. So, but you're right, well, I think it's real similar to the the Air. Yeah, you know, Bill, this uh if we need to make a note of this for I think maybe our next uh, podcast because I believe we have John Sowash uh, scheduled to join us the next time around and, and John is a certified Google trainer um, and I'm sh- and uh, he works with a lot of schools as well I suspect he'll have a uh, perspective on the Chromebook particularly one priced at twelve to fourteen hundred dollars uh, and I'd be interested in what he has to say about it yeah I was thinking the same thing that'll be good to get his insights um, and um, that'll be an interesting conversation when we get him on so. Um, we'll definitely have to ask him about that. Uh, a few other things from the Telcom World event uh, that I noticed, and it, this kind of related um, more to fourth-generation technology and um, uh, that that Ford it has uh, signed up, I think, with their Sync app link to begin accessing Spotify uh, uh songs and information hooking up with Spotify to be able to um provide uh their their music through their cars and of course that's going to require a data link of some sort and uh GM has also said that they're switching to AT&T from Verizon Wireless to provide uh, high speed wireless service for its uh vehicles that they're going to start introducing in uh 2015 so um I know. Well, I, I, Bill, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the thing with Ford because I have a relatively new Ford with uh, with AppLink on it, and I'm a premium subscriber to Spotify. So uh, I'm going to have to check that one out. I'm, I've got a great interest in that one. Now, with the with the AppLink, I'm not that familiar with that. Does it does it require? Do you have a a data plan associated with that? I do, but it, I've already got it with the rest of the. The technology that's built in anyway. So okay. I've already got it with the nav system and, and and weather reports and all kinds of things that come along with the with the technology on the on the new Fords. Right. Is that a uh, plan that uh, say when you buy a car the car new it they give you a year or two free and then you have to start paying yearly for it or something or how what's the well uh, what's essentially the uh, I think I have mine uh, on a quote unquote premium kind of service for three years I believe. Okay. Is what it is, and so it's pretty substantial, uh, and they they do a beautiful job with it. But I was not aware of this, frankly, and I'll, I'm going to check that out because that's something I would use pretty much every day in the car. Yeah, and I don't know exactly when uh, that's going to be uh, available, but I would imagine pretty soon, especially if they don't have to, uh, you know, build out any new hardware for it. It's just going to be a a software update probably, and a service feature that they can uh, turn on uh, for existing uh AppLink customers so uh that yeah that'd be pretty neat um well in fact if it's reliable if you can drive for a long period and go in the mountains and drive near the beaches and any place else and you don't and you maintain a good connection uh other than the news uh that might be a good substitute in some ways for satellite radio uh, because you can customize your spotify playlist and everything and you can't really do that with with satellite radio so i, exactly. I don't know it's worth it's worth checking out yeah yeah i would think it would uh be real uh, beneficial and and uh, popular. So, um, and I've mentioned several times I've really gotten into um, using Spotify uh, more than most any of the other uh, music services out there. So I think uh, that's going to be 
going to be very nice and a, a great, great uh, service. So uh, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, I don't, I don't have any, any new cars with that feature in it right now. So you're, you're ahead of me on that front. <laughs> well, it's the only thing I'm ahead of you on. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, so, and then the other comment I was going to make about uh, AT and T um, and you know this announcement that they've uh, made with GM. I know uh, a lot of people you know think well gee um phone companies are pretty much uh you know what are they going to do everybody's got a cell phone now the population is is saturated with cell phones people aren't really going to be purchasing uh you know new cell phones at the same rate that it's been over the past uh 5 years or so and and that is true to an extent the rate of growth there is is definitely uh slowing down but i know what AT&T upper management is saying is that um you know there are a lot of other devices that need data plans and uh th- this is this is uh one i guess it's kind of basically um doubling the size of of data plans or doubling the um uh, number that can be sold if you think well if every car can can now start uh receiving or, or purchasing a data plan to go along with it then um that certainly uh, opens up the growth path for uh, continuing to sell uh, data. So, uh, and of course, cars are just one of many other devices that um, fit that category that uh, um, could could use um, a connection for whatever uh, services they provide. So, um, that's that's probably a good uh, business partnership that AT&T has established now with GM, and uh, I'm sure they're working on other uh, car companies as well so um that's uh that's good news at least uh from my perspective so uh, we'll see how that goes all right that was about all the the news that i had um from the past week or two and um we'll move on now into our our main segment i think uh a lot of times we do talk about what's going on at Briarwood Christian School and the learning unleashed program and i think things are are kind of on autopilot right now i think things are going smoothly there but um i don't believe barrett you have a whole lot to report new um relative to what we've already talked about is that right yeah that that's right right now we're in more of the uh, final assessment and uh, solidifying our process stage uh i have uh, i did have a meeting uh since our last podcast with the parents who were involved in this program uh and universally they were positive i did not receive a single negative comment from any parent about what was going on uh they all gave it a big thumbs up and uh and the teachers are growing in their confidence and their capabilities and so they're very enthusiastic in fact it's interesting the one update i will give you is i now have other teachers in other parts of the of the camp uh, different campuses and buildings coming to me and saying can we go ahead and get started with ibook author uh, so we can start creating some of our own digital textbooks and uh and so the enthusiasm the confidence level is 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 growing throughout the faculty uh, and everyone's been very positive. Uh, so, so far, I, I don't think I could ask for a brand new, relatively complex program uh, to be functioning at or any better than this one is. Well, that's that's great news. And that's, uh, of course, what we, we want to hear and, and hope to uh, see happening. So I'm glad uh, things are running smoothly there and uh, it's really generating a lot of additional interest. So, um uh, we'll be looking forward to some some more uh, more detailed uh, reports here before too long because I know there'll be a lot of uh, evaluation going on before uh, the end of the year with all all that's uh, going on there. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, I know one theme though that uh, you have mentioned and uh, is certainly important uh, related to um, your your pilot program as well as just uh our own use of technology in general and that is is do you own your technology or does technology own you and that is a uh, a great question i think all of us need to uh keep in the front of our minds as um, we're having to deal with more and more technology every day and we certainly don't want to get in the position of um you know being uh uh, reliant to the point of uh, on our on our technology to the point of where we can't do anything without it and um, I saw an interesting article this week 
that was titled is smart making us dumb and it <coughs> kind of touched on this point of you know there's so much technology uh coming at us every day new uh new ideas new ways of using the technology that <coughs> if we're not careful um you know we can kind of let it get ahead of us and that's that's not a, a good uh, position to be in. So um, this article talks uh, talked a good bit about the difference between uh, smart uh, technology, good smart, and bad smart. And the article uh, was written by Evgeny Morozov, and he is coming out with a book that uh, uh, is entitled "To Save Everything, Click Here: The Folly of Technological." Uh, solutionism so <laughs> that's a mouthful but uh sounds like it uh is pretty could be pretty much on target with, with what we're dealing with um uh you know every day in our lives and i think it's going to be coming out in a few weeks so that might be an interesting read once it hits the market but um this article i guess is kind of a a preview of that book but um it it made the point the article did that um, some of the technology companies, I think Google would be uh, one that could be classified uh, in this group, and, and some computer scientists see that the physical world as being a broken place that can be fixed by uh, providing all kinds of different smart devices. And um, I think we see a lot of people attempting that even now, uh, but um, you know that can definitely be taken too far. Uh, one of the uh, one of the examples that he gives was talking about something called a bin cam, and basically this was a uh, a smart trash can that could um, kind of uh, evaluate your recycling process. So I think the idea is you you have a uh, trash bin that has a smart camera in it, and it will take uh, pictures of the trash that you put in it when you close the lid so then that that those pictures get uploaded to um, a website and somebody evaluates the kinds of uh, trash that's been thrown out and the the recyclables that are there and then you get a, a score on whether you know you're doing a good job on recycling or not so that <laughs> that's uh well i i would be more impressed if it would take itself out but <laughs> yeah that that would be uh, a little i don't more, know about the other yeah that that seems to be something that would be more helpful than this but um <laughs> anyway i think he was just trying to make a point that you know we're really quickly moving to um some some crazy ideas and uh using technology in ways that you know, is it really, really useful or not? I mean, yeah, you can make it, uh, you can uh, physically work that out, but is it really something of value and something that um, we need to spend time and effort with? So, um, well, it's sort of, it's sort of, the, Bill, it's sort of the classic question that uh, just because you can doesn't, you know, should you? Exactly. Uh, and I think that's at the heart of probably the theme of the article. Yeah, exactly. And and what he was talking about between good smart and bad smart is. You know, good smart is is uh, our devices that give us uh, additional information, providing us with information that that helps us make better decisions. And you know, it still um, places us in control of decisions um, just by giving us more information and, and things that we didn't have access to um, uh, previously. Whereas bad smart would be making choices for us and limiting our behaviors and, um, you know, uh, eliminating the decision process for uh, the person. And, of course, that's not not really a good thing, I don't think, to, to be uh, placing upon uh, our society and our people. And we don't, definitely don't want to remove our ability to uh, make decisions as well as um, – you know, learn from from decisions that are made because that's one way we learn and and gain wisdom is by dealing with um, issues and making good decisions, making bad decisions, and learning from them. So, um, you know, that was part of what this was kind of getting at is that um, you know we like we like uh, things to run smoothly and and work out well, um, but we don't need devices to or we don't need to place our um, uh, 
uh, you know, decisions on devices for that because that's <laughs> that's going to put us in a bad place um, down the road. So, um, you know, that that was uh, uh, just something to, to think about, and just uh, we may not be there yet, but as quickly as things are moving, if we're not careful, uh, we could find ourselves. Um, you know, with devices, with uh, issues that we don't have a whole lot of control over, and and, and that's not where we need to, to find ourselves. One uh, other example that he gave uh, was talking about uh, auto, auto, how do you say this, autopia. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> of course, I think everybody knows what this is. I didn't know that that was the name of it. Autopia is, uh, remember the the Disney attraction that uh, you know has has the little miniature cars and your your uh, small kids can get them in them and pretend to drive, but in reality they're not doing any driving because um, it's on an enclosed track. And so no matter how you turn your steering wheel, it's always going to stay on track and um, you know prevent uh, any wrecks or driving off the course or any of that type of thing. So did did you know that that was the name of that ride, Barrett? I'd never I never knew that it had a name really. No, I I actually didn't. Autopia, but um, you know, so we think that that's kind of a far fetched idea. But you know, if if all we have to do is look around the corner and we've got self driving cars now, and uh, Google is uh, developing the self driving car, and they've even got them road legal in Nevada and California. So. Um, you know, that's something that, uh, is, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, um, you know, it's something well, that we yeah, may you know, have to you, deal you with. You know, Bill, that, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a quandary because on the one hand, you could make it analogous to jumping on the, uh, essentially on the subway or something, which for all practical purposes for us is self-driving. It goes one direction and reverses itself and goes back the other direction. You think, for example, the trams and things like that at airports, uh, and so you see some value of it. And uh, oh, I don't know so if someone is intoxicated uh, and they got into a vehicle where they were, couldn't hurt anyone. I can see advantages to that. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you almost lose a bit of the adventure, don't you? If uh, you, you're not even <laughs> in charge of anything, you just you sit in it and it does. Everything there. Wh- yeah. Where's the sense of adventure in any of that, or even the enjoyment of driving a vehicle? I mean, sure. most people, I think, under s- most circumstances, they enjoy driving. Uh, they may not like it at rush hour, but most time, uh, I think people enjoy it. So, uh, while we're gaining some things, are we also losing a certain, for lack of a better way to describe it, an aesthetic in life? Right. Um, yeah, and and it's all it all gets back to the application of it. I mean, certainly there are uh, situations where that would be very handy and helpful um, for a fixed path, uh, you know, commuting or something like that. But um, you know, the problem that seems like our society gets into more often than not is uh, there's a, a good idea that has a nice application, and then we start wanting to apply it to everything, thinking that. You know, it's the answer for uh, all of our problems and issues and everything else. So um, it really gets down to more of a an application question as opposed to a technology question. Um, so you know, most anything can be uh, technology, you know, worked out from a technology perspective these days. Um, but is the application really, really the best uh, uh, thing? So uh, that I think that's what we've got to. Um, uh, definitely keep in mind as we evaluate uh, different different issues and different technologies. Another uh, kind of funny example that uh, he gave in this article was something called the Smart Bench, and this was just really a a, a uh, art project making a point of uh, what bad smart is. And uh, what the Smart Bench is is a bench equipped with a timer and sensors that. Um, after a fixed amount of time, it starts tilting upward, and it creates an incline that eventually dumps the person that's sitting in it out on the ground. So <laughs> I guess if it's if it's uh, downtown somewhere that you don't want uh, people sitting uh, for more than 30 minutes or so, this was uh, something that was uh, put together to uh, provide a solution to that. Uh, and <laughs> that, that again, that's just kind of uh, we certainly wouldn't want that. Um, uh, happening at a uh, 
in our parks everywhere we turn. So uh, that was just kind of a funny thing. Okay, well, that's uh, that was, like I said, an interesting article that uh, really makes us think a little bit more about the technology that we see being developed all around us. And uh, I think it's important, again, to recognize uh, the good and the bad and the different devices and different uh, options that are being presented to us. And there's another book that um, I'm going to mention today. We've uh, talked a little bit about it in the past. I think, Barrett, you brought it up a few episodes ago. Um, and it's called The Next Story, Life and Faith After the Digital Explosion by uh, Tim Challies. And um, uh, Barrett, you kind of challenged uh, the, the school board to read this and um, kind of help uh, us as we enter into our um, iPad uh, pilot and how we're going to um, approach the technology issues. And again, kind of going back to the whole question of does uh, our technology own us or do we own our technology? And um, this book uh, really looks at the physical um part of technology, just, uh, you know, the history and the growth and uh, where we've been and where we're going at a physical level, as well as it really goes deeper into a spiritual level and, and how it affects, uh, has an impact on uh, people uh, individually as well as a society. And uh, there's some great points made in this book, and I think we really need to uh, spend more time on it than uh, we've got today. So I just wanted to mention this book and mention that um, we are going to spend time on it next uh, episode. So hopefully you'll be able to, to make it back uh, because this will be a great discussion uh, around the whole uh, question of technology at a deeper level than just um you know, how we interact with it uh, day in and day out, but more along the lines of, um, you know, how is it really affecting us as individuals as well as uh, a society in general, because um, it definitely has an impact. I think um, we can easily look back uh, 20 or 30 years ago and see how things uh, are different um, from a society standpoint, and I'm sure technology has a big uh, plays a big role in that, so um, I think this will be a fun discussion and uh, something very interesting to um, dig into. So I didn't want to um, uh, shortchange it uh, on our episode this time, but it really will fit in with uh, what we've just been talking about, um, uh, and we will uh, delve into that further uh, next episode. So hopefully you can join us uh, again for that. So... Um, with that said, we'll kind of move into our uh, apps and following section. And um, Barrett, I'll let you kick it off with uh, what you're going to bring. I think you said, like you said, you've added a, a new category for us this week. So uh, uh, tell us what you got there. Well, a couple things. First, uh, just kind of a neat, fun app uh, for the iPhone. Uh, it is called Winston, and I can actually get it if I can uh, hopefully be able to hear it here in on the recording. I'm going to activate it and let you hear it, then I'll explain exactly what it is. Okay. Hello, how can I assist you? And uh, so let's say I decide that I wanted to check the weather or something else or headlines. Let me give you an example of what it might do here. Good evening. Here are the most recent headlines updates. The U.S. Senate on Wednesday confirmed Jack Lew So you get the idea. In other words, it's, it's like a personal assistant, but it's not one you directly interact with like you would Siri, but rather you uh, you connect certain social service, social media sites to it, uh, news article sites, a, a favorite weather site, those sorts of things. And then you basically – it will activate and it will read that information back to you. Uh, it's well done. It's well designed. Uh, the voice is British, and so it has a certain nuance to it that is, is pretty nice. Uh, so it's just a, it's a fun app. It could be a little it could be useful if you're in a car. You activate it and it just basically reads back your social media information, weather, news, things like that. If you'd like for it to, uh, what I hope they will do with it, or someone will do something similar, is in effect create it as an alarm, uh, uh, kind of a like an alarm clock 
or wake-up service. So it would wake you up at a certain point, quickly give you the time, uh, give you a quick, here's the weather for today, uh, maybe top headlines, whatever, something of that nature. But I, I thought it was a kind of a fun and, and potentially useful app, particularly as they begin to develop it more. Yeah, it's I, called Winston. Right. I, I did, uh, I've seen that, too, and I loaded it and played with it a little bit. Um, the one thing I... Uh, did real quickly with it though was turn off the uh, background music <laughs> that kind of <laughs> yeah. bothered me yeah, a little exactly. bit it's easy if you don't have that on there but yeah. again i don't think it's reached its full potential but if they would uh, add some features such as i described sure uh, i think it's the sort of thing that you might use each morning at least waking up and getting or getting in the car with your cup of coffee so sure yeah uh, the twitter pick uh this evening uh is up search learn uh, that's one word, Up Search Learn. They have nearly 29,000 followers, and basically it's learning news to help leaders specifically with what's called learning management systems and selection, instructional design, and e-learning courses. So if, if you're in education and you have an interest in what type of platform to utilize, how to design the curriculum, uh, what type of courses may be available, your learning management systems, that sort of thing. Uh, that is a great resource. Uh, they're very uh, well-educated and articulate uh, researchers and other people uh, who are involved with UpSearch Learn. So the listeners may find that uh, particularly uh, helpful, particularly if they're in education. Now, normally we don't do a hardware pick, but uh, Bill, you had mentioned Kickstarter, and I follow Kickstarter. I don't normally invest personal money in it, but I chose to in one particular instance, and it's a product that I just received. I had to wait several months for it, but it's called the Nifty Drive, N-I-F-T-Y Drive, and you can search for that on Kickstarter. Essentially, what it is, it's a small uh, micro uh, USB chip um, holder, as it were, that's custom designed for each MacBook. If you have a MacBook Pro with Retina or you have a standard MacBook or you have a MacBook Air, and it allows you to slip into this holder uh, a US a micro USB chip of, or drive of your of your choosing, and you can essentially then slide it into the slot on your MacBook Pro and add you know 15, 32, 64 gigs of memory that's always with you on your laptop. Uh, and so you can store your photos, your videos, things like that, and preserve your standard hard drive uh, for your other files. And they've done a beautiful job with it. It's well-designed. It's reliable. Uh, it's non-intrusive. It's, it's completely flush with the side of your MacBook, so you never even know it's there. It comes in uh, different colors as well as classical silver, which is what I have. Hmm. So our listeners may be interested in that. So, so exactly how does that, uh, do you, does it allow you to, to plug in multiple thumb drives or, or what's different with No, it? you, you know, you, you basically, uh, it's not, a, it's a micro thumb drive is what you put in it, uh, okay. basically. Uh, the time that you might put on your, on your, into your iPhone, if your iPhone took a, a micro drive, in it. Mm -hmm. It's that size. It allows you to put one in, but you can select, you know, you purchase the size of it that you want to put in it, oh, essentially. Okay. I got you. Uh, because you can't really use those well on the MacBook without it. Right. Uh, and you can pull it in and insert it, insert it or pull it out if you'd like to do that as well. Okay. Yeah. Oh. yeah I'll have to look that up. That sounds, sounds nice. I just purchased a uh, 64 gig thumb drive the other day uh, at a, a highly discounted price. And, um, you know those are those are pretty pretty nice uh, to have available. You can put a bunch of uh, information on those. But I guess this the the advantage of this is that it's very small and doesn't really stick out from your computer's. No, in, in fact, none. It is completely flush. You wouldn't hmm. even know it was in there. Okay. And so it's just it's just completely flush with your device, uh, and it, it you can't if you get the classical silver you don't even know it's there. It looks just like your MacBook. Uh, you can put the different size of micro drive in it that you'd like, um, and it's a great. You can nearly you know you can add another twenty five to fifty percent uh, storage capacity depending upon the size of your internal drive. Yeah, I see. What uh, what are they going to be asking for that? Uh, I paid thirty dollars as a backer. Okay. Uh, so I'm not sure what the absolute retail uh, value is, but they're just now making it available through retail. Uh, but I basically pledged thirty dollars and uh, as a backer, and uh, I got mine a couple days ago. And what size did you get? I got a 64. Okay. Now again, you, you're buying the little the little the drive holder. 
you have to go out and buy your own micro drive that sits in it. I see. So, so okay. it doesn't come. It doesn't come with the actual drive. It's the device to hold your drive. Your your micro SD cards is what I should be calling it. So basically, it's a holder for your for your uh, for a micro SD card, and then you put the size of SD card in there that you want. I got you. Okay, great. I have to check that out. All right. Well, thank you for those picks. And uh, my picks this week, uh, the app pick is something called Mailbox. Now I guess uh, we've all got. A mailbox, but this is a new um, a, a new product uh, or new app that uh, just came out the last week or so. I've I've seen it uh, advertised or uh, publicized for almost a year now, I guess. But um, the application basically is kind of a streamlined uh, mail. Uh, app that uh, all your mail gets dumped into and then the way it works is um, it provides gestures for you to easily be able to delete or archive or um, put uh, mail into specific uh, files and folders um, and then an additional option that it has that I think is pretty slick is it allows you to uh, schedule reminders from your mail so that if you want to uh, basically remove that email out of your mailbox but want it to pop back up say uh, in the evening or tomorrow morning or over the weekend or at a specific time that you can give it um, you can do that you you basically tell it um, you know once you you give it the gesture and slide it a little bit um, you'll get the option up to you know exactly how you want to um, uh, schedule it to come back and and remind you of uh, of uh, whatever that email's about and just bring it back into the top of your queue. So um, it's it's a pretty easy way. I think it's a very efficient way to um, manage emails and to move them out of your mailbox as well as have them come back up at specific times that you want to uh, deal with it later. So. Um, it right now I think it only works with Gmail, uh, Gmail accounts, and any um, you know uh, customized domain that you have uh, running from Gmail. But uh, you also have to uh, you obtain it through a reservation. I know uh, when I uh, requested it, I put a reservation in, and it was about. Uh, probably a week or 10 days before it was available, which I think what they're doing that uh, with that is just making sure that they don't get overloaded uh, at any one time and that they've got a good, um, a good handle on the number of users and being able to provide service for those users. So um, I thought it, uh, so far I've been pretty impressed by it. I think it, it works well. I haven't, uh, hadn't been buggy at all. And uh, I'm still working with it. And, and I use it in conjunction with my regular uh, mail application on my iPhone. So you can use it in conjunction with, with that, um, and it's not a, not a problem. So uh, something, you know, that you might want to check out. And the website for it is mailboxapp.com. And um, uh, like I said, you've got to, if you want to get it and play with it, it's free doesn't cost anything at least not right now uh you know you just have to put in a reservation for it and um you'll you'll get it and it, it it's kind of neat because it shows you how many people are ahead of you in the queue as to uh how many people have to uh, clear out of the queue before uh you will receive um the application and it'll start working for you um so uh you know you've got a little bit of an idea of of how long it might take before you can start using it so that's my app pick for the week. And then the Twitter pick is uh, the Nerdy Teacher. I thought you might like this one, Barrett. Um, <laughs> and the Nerdy Teacher is a, a guy, he calls himself an uh, uh, educator, a speaker, a writer, a consultant, and the Lady Gaga of teaching. I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> I'm not that, sure what that means. Yeah. I might be afraid to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go too far with that. But um, the one thing that did catch my eye was um, he's apparently doing a lot of, uh, I don't know, research isn't the right word, but using Evernote um, kind of on a trial basis in the classroom uh, and doing a lot of uh, 
programs and, and uses of uh, Evernote with his students. And I think he's got it uh, a pretty good uh, documentation of the different projects uh, he's had his students go through with Evernote and um, you know has done a lot of work there it seems like so he might have some some useful tips and ideas uh, as to uh, how that has been utilized at least in his classroom and he's also uh, to give him a little bit of credibility here he's received uh, the t uh, technology using teacher of the year award in Michigan this last year so um, he's gotten somebody's attention anyway uh, with the different things that uh, he's doing so uh, you may want to check him out um, on Twitter and he's uh, at the nerdy teacher uh, in Twitter so uh, those were my picks for the week so anyway we'll uh, wrap it up for today and I think we've had some some uh, good topics discussed and a preview of things to come next episode. So hopefully you'll be back with us and uh, don't forget to follow us on the internet and you can find me on Twitter uh, at Bill Brazil. That's B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L and uh, also on the web at BillBrazil.com. So uh, check us out there and Barrett, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at B Mossbacker. That's B M O S B A C K E R. And uh, my blog is http colon forward slash forward slash. I say that only because there are no uh, W's there. And it's the ChristianSchoolJournal.com. All one word ChristianSchoolJournal.com. Okay, great. So thank you for tuning in today, and uh, as always, if uh, you found this of interest and beneficial, be sure to tell your friends and um, watch for our next episode. Uh, we will uh, plan to be back in about two weeks, so uh, so long for now, and we'll look forward to uh, our next time together.